Hey everybody, this is Just Sold with Brent McIntosh of the McIntosh Group at Remax River City. I'm Brent Griffiths. He's Brent McIntosh. This one could be a lengthy one today because a guy <laughs> that you and I both love and respect is joining us on this podcast. I am super excited today because our guest today is somebody you and I know very well. He's one of Edmonton's most famous people. And we've had the privilege, both you and me, Bryn, of knowing this individual for over 30 years. And I say privilege as he is one of the nicest and most intelligent individuals I've ever met. Today, our guest is Brian Hall. Brian, how are you? Hey, boy, that, that's very nice. Those are nice, kind words written just like I asked you to. Yeah, you know, it's right here on the print. You, no, you wrote it down in Bryn, handwriting. Bryn, I haven't seen you for so long. And uh, you're looking very good. And we have talked in the past. And uh, it, it's just when you mention that you've known and we have known one another for a great number of years. You said 30 years, Brent. My gosh. Well, yes. Brent, then you and I are longer than that, too, because we go back a long, long way in the broadcast business. I, I, uh, so far back, I don't think either of us can remember. I can remember. Well, Halsey does have one of the best memories of anybody I've ever met. So I'm sure he remembers the day he met you, Bryn. I'm pretty um, sure. I want to start today by officially thanking Brian. And I know I've thanked him before, but I, I don't think he realizes just how influential he was on, on my path as a young man. Uh, it was December of 1993. And I was working as, as a board operator and, and producer of some shows at 930 CJCA. And I was jobless. We went off the air on December 1st. I was 21 years old. I didn't know what I was going to do next. And in fact, I wasn't even concerned about it until January. And I received a call from 630 Ched with a job offer. Not a job interview, but a job offer. Because Brian and a gentleman that we all know named Larry Barris were so kind to make sure I showed up on a tiny little list of people that 630 Ched had to hire. So, Brian, I've never forgotten that. And let me formally thank you once again for, for keeping me in radio for those few years that I did get the privilege of, of broadcasting. And it was all because of you. Well, I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I, 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 I've heard this story now for the first time, but I do recall now those days. And, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of football games we worked out at Commonwealth Stadium, right? It was amazing. And I didn't even know you knew me, to be honest, when we worked at 930 CJCA together. And so the fact that you brought me with, with you to 630 Ched and, and I had five, six years of, of, of fun at that building, at the 630 Ched Power 92 building with you. Um, and I, I'll never forget it. So, so thank you. Uh, I do appreciate it. And, and, and again, like I say, we'll never forget that. Well, that's great. And, you know, Bryn, you and I go back further than that, further than 1993. I was just telling Brent a story of sitting beside you at a Grey Cup game in 1989. It was the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And we worked, and it was, we worked together in the same building, and I'm, I'm sitting right next to you, and everybody kept coming up and congratulating you, and I had no clue on why they were congratulating you because I did not go to the Football Reporters of Canada breakfast where you were – you were elected into the Football Hall of Fame, and I felt so horrible just sitting next to you and not having a clue. Now, we saw a great game that day, that's for sure, but it just, uh, you want to talk about how far back we go, Brian? Well, it certainly is a long time, and you know, you, you, you don't realize how quickly time goes, really. I mean, for me, I started in 1953, and you know, I've been to a lot of great cups, over 60, and I remember almost each and every one and all the fun and all the great times and how much the world has changed and how much the business has changed over those many decades from 1953 up until now. And of course, you know, I'm still working with uh, the chorus entertainment group and worked with the uh, uh, chorus uh, radio group, as well as, uh, you know, I've been on, uh, on, uh, uh, you know, the uh, chorus television, but been working from home now for over a year. So, that has changed a little bit, but there's always something that is going on. This is a great business. You know that. It's a great business to be in. You meet so many people, and you have so much fun, and it is uh, never-ending. Each day is different because 
in our business, you're covering new stories every day. So it's not repetitive. You know, it's not like, say, an accountant adding up numbers or things like that. It's always something that's new, and that's what makes it fascinating. Obviously, uh, this podcast is usually real estate related, and, and we'll talk a little bit of real estate here because I do want to ask Brian about his first home purchase way back when, but we're, we're, I don't often get this opportunity to talk to somebody like Brian, especially somebody associated so closely with the Edmonton Football Club, and, and just this week, as we're recording this podcast, it's been made official. Uh, there is a brand new name, and I think I know what your uh, opinion is of that name. As your Brian is is people can't see this, but he's wearing a baseball cap and and a T-shirt with the new logo on it. Brian, what do you think of the Edmonton Elks? I think it's just absolutely great, and you have to remember that the organization has not changed. Only the name has changed. Nothing else has changed, mm-hmm. and 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 this is a great opportunity for them because. They're going to develop a whole new, a whole new group of fans, and and they will get excited about the Edmonton Elks and the CFL game is still the CFL game, and Commonwealth Stadium is still Commonwealth, and the fun of all that football and everything that goes with it, and the tradition and the Grey Cups of fourteen and uh, all the things that have happened and five in a row. Rose 78 through 80. None of these things are forgotten because they're etched in history now. They're etched in history. So listen, fellas, it's great. So it's now the Edmonton Elks. Okay, fine. That's all right with me. It's the green and gold for me. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? In fact, the fight song, the fight song, (laughs) you can't use Elks in there because it doesn't fit. But it certainly does fit for green and gold. So the sure. fight song can even continue. You well, know I was I mean? thinking, I, literally, I was thinking about the fight song. Can't you just substitute the word Edmonton in, in for Eskimo? No, no, Eden. No, no, no that, doesn't, okay. doesn't, it doesn't fit. But, <laughs> okay. But, but, but what do we know about the football team, the Elks, is that they have uh, an old logo, which they will keep because, you know, you use retro jerseys and everything nowadays. Yeah. So they'll combine both logos on different promotions. They'll use some separately. They'll use them together. Uh, at times, I think the helmet, which has the antlers on right now, on the uh, gold uh, football helmet, yeah. and it looks great. Uh, mm-hmm. They are going to have now, uh, you know, at times the EE back on there because that's the way it'll be for this for this game against oh, whatever it is. We're going to sure. have the double E will be on there, you know, and the logos. And, and they're going to sell merchandise that will feature the double E as well as the antlers of the Edmonton Elks. But – it fits because you couldn't say, uh, you know, we're cheering, fight, fight, fight on Elks. That doesn't work. You know what I mean? But you can say, we're cheering, fight, fight, fight on green and gold. We're marching right, uh, right, right on green and gold. You get it? I got see? it. You've been working on it this one. So, yeah, so, it all fits. It all fits, guys. So, yeah. You know, oh, and wonderful. So really, not, nothing has changed. Nothing yeah. has changed. The great tradition is still going to continue because we are – Edmonton football and that is what it's all about oh uh, again having you on this uh this podcast this week is is so fitting really if if it's if if we look at it the esks uh, versus the elks they've only changed one letter <laughs> we, we've substituted a, an l in for the for an s so so it is yeah that that's right change. yeah yeah and and i that's love the new helmets a, that's only a coincidence you know yes. that's just that just happened they didn't plan it that way now you've been associated with sports and 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 Edmonton for a long, long time, Brian. What I really wanted to talk about with you today, and and something that most people would know, let's talk about your youth, because you did grow up in Edmonton, correct? In in Garneau, I think. High school. But yeah. Before that, I spent a little bit of time in Winnipeg, just a little. I came here, because of the Winnipeg flood. I was sent out here to be with my sister and her husband. Oh, because wow. we got up, because we got out of school early, and my mother, my dad had passed on, and my mother was nursing, and, and she was too busy, and she said, "Go, go with your sister in Edmonton." So I went with my sister in Edmonton, and I, and there were 134,000 people then. That's all that was here, 134,000, and yeah. uh, and I said, "Wow!" And I'm riding the streetcar over the high level bridge, you know, and uh, all the things that are going on. And, and the McKernan Lake was the, was the outlying new district in Edmonton, McKernan Lake, 112th Street and 76th Avenue, for heaven's <laughs> sake. 
But anyway, I, I said, this is it. I, I wrote my mother a letter. I said, this is it. This is a great city. I said, I, 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 could, we, could we move here? Yeah. And we did. So that's how I got here in 1950. And uh, then, of course, in, I, went to, I was just going into my first year of high school, and I went to University High. And that's a, a beautiful part of the U of A campus. It's a, it's a building that I, I don't know what, what uh, department it belongs to now at the university, but it's the one at the end of 112th Street and uh, uh, White Avenue, 82nd Avenue. As you go west on 82nd Avenue, you come to 112th Street, you look straight ahead and there's that beautiful building sitting up there. Yep. Yep. You know, an ancient building. Looks like something from Britain, uh, from, the, uh, from the Isles. You know, it, it's, it's, it's really, anyway, that was University High at that time. And that's where I had my first year my, in Edmonton. I was in my first year of high school. And uh, I, I had never played any sport or done anything like that. And I don't know why. I tried out for the football club, and I made the team. And uh, my coach was Don Smith, who was uh, Don Smith, the father of the Swimming Smiths, you know, Becky and all of them. Yep, and Graham. the famed Georgie, the, the famed Graham uh, Smith, the famous uh, uh, swimmers and the, and the uh, international competitions and all of that. And, and their dad was uh, my football coach. And then we uh, had moved from my sister's home on 73rd uh, Avenue and 112th Street to they had moved on to Vancouver. He, my brother-in-law got a transfer. He uh, became the vice president of General Accident Assurance uh, Company for Canada and uh, Scotland. And so he was moving on. And my mother had said, we are going to stay here, which we did. So we moved to a different area in the Garno District on 86th Avenue. So I had to go to Skona and that okay. was old Skona. I, yeah. you know, listen, Bryn, that's old Skona. I not, know. Not Skona. No, <laughs> not Strathcona. Not, yeah. 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 No, no, no. Skona. It's Skona. And, uh, and we were annexed because the school, you know, was overcrowded and they didn't have another school. So they annexed the school, which was Garno at 109th street and 87th Avenue. And that's where I went to school. In uh, my second and third years of high school, played for Skona. We won the city championship in football in 1953. I graduated, and from there I went into uh, broadcasting. Yeah, but let's get to that for a second, though. Here, you did not start in sports. You were you were spinning no, you were spinning records. I no, I didn't even know anything about broadcasting. I never thought about broadcasting. I didn't care <laughs> about broadcasting. The only thing I knew about radio was. I had to rush home to get the latest episode of uh, Superman and the Green Hornet and the things that were on radio, okay? That was all I knew about radio. The rest of the time, I was working at High Level Drug, becoming a movie fan, going to the Garno Theater movies every night after work, most nights, because my mother was working the uh, late shifts at St. Joe's Hospital. And uh, and so I said, well, I'm not going home. And I, I, and I went to school. Uh, one of my school chums was uh, Barb Wilson whose father was the manager of uh, Bill Wilson, was the manager of the Garner Theater. Theater. Yep. And, and, and they got to know me. It was, listen, are you kidding? I got into all the movies free. They even had popcorn for me when I arrived after work from the high-level drug. <laughs> and I became, a big foot, I became a big movie fan. That's how I became a movie fan. Anyway, uh, long story short, uh, yeah, I knew nothing about uh, broadcasting, and it was just a fluke that I got into it. And what was your first radio station? CKUA. And and what shift were you working? I, I worked everywhere. Oh, worked everywhere. In those, yeah. in those, listen, it was a non-commercial station. CKUA owned and operated by Alberta Government Telephones. Non-commercial station. There were only three stations in the city: right. CJCA, CBC, and uh, CFRN. Yeah. And uh, you know that was it. So, I mean, I was with CKUA, and, uh, and, but the one thing CKUA did was they had Art Ward there doing the Edmonton Flyer games in, uh, in uh, the, uh, the uh, big hockey league because there was no expansion. There were only six teams in the NHL then, right? Yep, right. So, there, so there was, uh, you know, all the farm teams, and the Edmonton Flyers were a farm team of the Detroit Red, Red Wings. Wings. Yep. And so, yeah. And so, so what we did was we, we broadcast those games. Well, they were going against Shawinigan Falls for the uh, cup 
and they didn't travel back and forth. And that year that I was there, 53, and the Flyers were in it, they were playing in Shawinigan all seven games of the series if it went that far. And so they said to me at CKUA, listen, you've done everything else here. You changed roles in the teletype. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you had all the – you did everything. You did everything. And you worked shifts, and I worked afternoon shifts, and I started a jazz show on Saturday afternoons called Music for Moderns. I called it Music for Moderns. Stan Kenton, Woody Herman, and all the Les Brown and the great bands and the singers and, you know, all the people who were, you know, and uh, Louis was uh, was in then and Ella Fitzgerald and Sarah Vaughn and all the, all the great ones, all the, the best, the best. Anyway, all these things were going on. I'm having myself a ball. And uh, and uh, and they said, you've done everything else. Why don't you, we, Art's going to be gone nearly three weeks. So why, why don't, could you do the sport? I said, yeah, okay, fine. I don't know if it'll be all right. So... I started doing the sport, and when he came back, he said, uh, and Jack Hagerman, the, the, the man who hired me, said, uh, uh, how would you like to be Art's assistant? I said, yeah, okay, that's good. So I, I became just a sports guy at that point. I'm really a broadcaster. I'm not a sports guy. But anyway, I started. that's how I started doing the sport, working with him. And, of course, I went to the Eskimos at Clark Stadium. And, uh, you know, and Jackie Parker was coming in and all these people, they were just arriving on the scene and Don Getty and all these, uh, you know, and Johnny Bright was there and Normie Kwong and all the, all the legends of the game. And, uh, and uh, uh, so I, I, I was at the practices and everything. And the Edmonton Journal had a terrific writer, a columnist by the name of Jim Brooke. And he was a ruddy faced Irishman, had a great set of teeth and a big smile and a natty dresser, and just an outstanding writer. He used to have his column was called The Babbling Brook, and he had a little uh, two-liner, every a column that he wrote in reference to what was coming in the body of the column, and he always signed it Stonewall Jackson. Anyway, I'm at practice one day. They had announced that there was going to be a new radio station starting in 1954 in Edmonton, and it was going to be called Ched. And, uh, and uh, at practice one day, uh, Jim Brooks said to me, hey, kid, are you going to go over there and try out for that job there? And I said, nah, they're going to hire some big guy, you know, the whole thing. He said, listen, kid, let me tell you something. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. I said to myself, gee, that makes sense to me. The guy's right. Well, I mean, everything's happened so far. It's been a fluke. Maybe I'll fluke this one. I wound up working at Chad. And then I stayed there until I went to Toronto to Chum. And then I came back and I went for 29 years to CJCA. And then from there, I went back to Chet again, and here I am. I got to tell you, I did some cleaning in the garage this past weekend, and I stumbled on my first ever autograph book. The very first signature in that autograph book was Jean Beliveau, who my dad took me to meet when I was a tiny tot at a place called Devonian Motors, right on Jasper Avenue. But on the second, third, fourth, and fifth pages, I'd gone to an event at the Jubilee Auditorium called Football Fever. And the Eskimos always used to get everybody pumped up about the upcoming season. First signature I had, Brian Hall. Very first no, autograph in my autograph book was Brian Hall. I think Howie <laughs> Shum. Howie Shum was next. But I, it just, uh, I, I laughed when I saw it. I, uh, I, I just, uh, I was looking for it just while you were talking, but it's out in the garage still. But I, uh, it still amuses me that after Jean Beliveau is Brian Hall. And you know, well, I had when you mentioned that name, I'm so happy, so so glad that I was able to see Rocket Richard and Bellabow and all those people play. I had opportunities through television, of course, and then of course I went to Toronto and I was with the Leafs in '62, three and four, their Stanley Cup years with Punch Imlac, and you know it was Harold Ballard who owned the club, and they were going through the uh, through the ownership of Maple Leaf Gardens from uh, Major Connie Smythe and, uh, and, and, and his son Stafford was a partner of Harold Ballard's and they outsmarted, it was really Harold, not Stafford. He, he really outsmarted all the Bay Street brokers who were trying to get hold of uh, Maple Leaf Gardens. And here was Harold Ballard who got it and he was a, he was a, he was a good guy. I, I know there's been a lot of talk about him, but he was a terrific guy and he did so much for the people there that needed him, you know, for, for Easter seals and for any would make the gardens available for events free of charge. And 
and he would give them money because I was around with him a lot and we became very good friends. He offered me a job to become the voice of the, of the, uh, of the, of the uh, Minnesota team when they expanded to uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. And the guy who wound up getting the job because I had just moved back West and I said, Harold, gee, you know, uh, no, I, thank you very much, but the job is yours, kid, if you want it. And you know, you got that. And I said, Harold, I said, I love you for it. Thank you very much. But I'm staying West. I love Edmonton. I'm going to, I'm staying West. And uh, the guy who, who got the job was Al Shaver. From here. Who worked here at, C- at CFRN television, a fat little shaver called Al. Yep. And uh, he, he got the job. He left Edmonton at about the same time I left Edmonton in the early 60s. He went to Montreal. I don't know why to, to get into the bowling business. I, I never did understand that. But I said to them, I said, I said, listen, I got a guy for you, Al Shaver. And I said, he's up in Montreal right now. Boom, boom. Anyway, Al got the job and was there, you know, forever, right? Yeah. Through all of that with the Minnesota Hockey Club. So, yeah, I mean, it was, it, it, it was, uh, it was a wonderful time to see these players. I got to know Gordy really well, like how, because of the association with Detroit Red Wings. And they uh, would come out here during the preseason and play some games. You know, we were the number one farm club. And Bud Poyle was the general manager and the coach in the Hall of Hockey Hall of Fame now, passed on not too many years ago, was in Vancouver, was the guy instrumental in the first drafting of Orton Kurtenbach by the Vancouver Canucks back in 1969. And Bud Poyle was running the operation. But Bud was running Detroit's club here, the Edmonton team, and we would win the Western Hockey League championship. We had terrific hockey clubs, junior teams, and you know Glenn Sather played for them and so many other guys who played for them. And uh, I mean, we had a we had a great history, and it was a whole lot of fun. And you met a whole lot of people. But the the team Detroit would come out here, and uh, during the summertime, Gordy would come out here because he was the voice then for the T Eaton Company, the old department store T Eaton Company. He was the spokesperson for the True Line Sporting Goods Equipment, which was the the brand of uh, of Eaton's, and we would go the. The, the merchandise manager for the for Eaton's, Wayne Robinson, was a very good friend of mine. And uh, and Wayne and I and Gordy would drive up in Wayne's car. The store people would take equipment and everything up to Moose Lake, and they would have it all there for Gordy to try. And we would go up there, Wayne and Gordy and myself. We'd be out fishing in Moose Lake at 3 o'clock in the morning, out there having a hoot and a holler. Didn't care, of course, if he caught a darn thing because we were just out there sitting in the boats, the true line boats and all the rest of it, and just laughing and telling stories about hockey and all, and about life generally too and everything else. It was, it was great. It was a wonderful time. Wonderful. You, what a blessed you, life. Yeah, and you've seen your share of hockey real estate too because you saw the Edmonton Gardens, you saw the Coliseum built by Bill Hunter, and now you've got the brand-new building here. Uh, it's, uh, it's really – you want to talk about growing. The city's growing – just crazy over the last oh 20 to well, 50 years hey, hey listen Bryn, you got to remember too that not only that but there was commonwealth stadium that opened in 1978 after the commonwealth games before that it was clark stadium yep and right. it was the arrival of norm kimball and clark stadium was the little band box clark stadium and i always remember going, i always remember being at the at the early early games in the early 50s with, with the Eskimos, and they did the PA from down on the sideline rather than up in the box. And don't forget, it's just a little stadium. It's a little stadium. Yeah. It doesn't hold 25,000, for crying out loud. It has to expand to 25,000. But before that, it was much smaller than that. And there was a guy who would wear a, rac- a raccoon coat walking up and down the sideline, watching the play from the sidelines, and would comment for the fans in the stands, and you know who it was? It was Joe Schachter. You know Schachter oh, yeah, yeah. Theater? Who, Citadel? Who, who, built the Cit- who built the Citadel Theater. And Joe and I, uh, we, we used to tell a ton of stories. We, we used to have so many laughs. Uh, uh, Saturdays, we'd go down to the Royal Glenora Club in later years in our life, and uh, he'd go down for a, a, a weekly, as I would, a massage at, at the uh, Royal Glenora Club. We'd get the table side by side. 
we'd be getting our massage and laughing and telling stories and you know all that kind of stuff but but uh, but they got they they built Commonwealth Stadium. That was Jim Hole, who was the man who was really behind that, and uh, and of course Huey Campbell is. They were great buddies, great buddies. But uh, yeah, so don't forget you saw that. And then of course we had auto racing with with the Booth brothers in Speedway Park, and I, I started doing the PA there when it was still a dirt oval, a quarter mile dirt oval, and they had the stock car races every Wednesday night, and. Uh, I got paid for it in cash, and uh, at the time, right there, I, I was paid that night, and the man who looked after the books would pay me the money. And guess who that was? That was Cease Purvis, who later became our mayor. So he, so he was doing that because I think he worked for Toronto Dominion Bank, if I remember correctly. But anyway, yeah. So there was that. But then uh, the 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 uh, Reg and and, uh, and Percy Booth arrived on the scene, and they started can-am racing and we eventually built the bigger speedway remember the great big track that they built there and we had can-am cars come in and everything and to start the can-am season and to really get things rolling you had to bring in some big racing name right and so here i was and what a thrill it was for me because this man drove me around the park drove me around the track all the way you know who it was Sterling Moss, oh, one of the all-time great, yeah. one of the all-time great race car drivers. I mean, listen, you're conjuring up a lot of memories when you ask these these questions. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm talking so much, but it's, that's the way it goes. This is how I love <laughs> hanging out with you when we do talk about this. What year was your first football game? What year did you broadcast your first football game? 1965, and it was a really interesting year because. I wound up getting that job just out of nowhere too. I had just come back from Toronto and I wasn't even on the air. That's how I got into sales and broadcasting, which is where the money is, by the way, mm-hmm. it's in yeah. sales. Well, that's, that's the salespeople, good salespeople always make a big amount of dough. And you know, the old saying, right? 20% make 80% of the dough and 80% are left to fight over the remaining 20. That's right. the way it goes in the sales world. I don't know what it's like with your world in real estate, Brent, uh, but I can tell you, you've got people who are always at the top and they're always going to be there. And it's just a handful of people and they, they, they take most of the money in. I mean, that's, it's, a, it's a formula that is tried and true throughout the world. I think It'd that that like formula that. Guess, has changed. I guarantee you. Yeah. I think it's anyway, no longer 80-20. I think it's 90-10 now, really? I think, is the formula for, for, most, yeah. for most industries. Well, sure it is. Anyway, uh, but that's how I got into sales because I wasn't on the air. And then right. Walt Rutherford, and uh, we know the name Rutherford because we know Doug Rutherford, and, and, and we know uh, his brother Dave, who was uh, you know a, a talk show host for a great number of years yep. uh, with us. Anyway, um, Doug, uh, Walt Rutherford was the news director at CJCA, and he used to come with me occasionally on the hockey trips when I broadcast the Flyers. Right. And he uh, would sit with me, and we became good friends. Well, I'd been back in town for a while. About four or five months, I was off the air. And I had brought to Edmonton to replace me a kid out of Fort Saskatchewan by the name of Wes Montgomery. <laughs> so I, I brought Wes Montgomery because I said the man who hired me at Ched was Jerry Forbes. Right. And, of course, we know about Ched Santa's Anonymous. And we, yeah. he started, he started Ched Santa's Anonymous right at, right at the time that Ched started and I was there. It was unbelievable then what happened because you didn't have all of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the iPads and, and the uh, emails and, and, and all the things that we have now in, in, in this technical world. Uh, it, it, was, it was snail mail. It was, you know, the post office. It was the postman. Well, when we started at, uh, at, uh, at, Chad, it was a 1080 on the dial, not 630. And it used to be 1080 Chad. And they came in and we had, we started with a big contest called 1080. That was the name of the contest, 1080. And you had to, of course, buy, you couldn't, you couldn't email anything in as they do now, you know, to show that you're the the product, the sponsor, you had to buy the product, you, you sent in the flap or whatever it was from the box. And that was it. And you send it in the mail. And Jerry Forbes used to write all of the uh, all of the limericks. We would have every day. He would have 
a message sometime during the day you had to listen of course to get this and he would give you clues and he was he was a great writer he was a great writer and he would he would you're looking for something you're looking for something you, you and and they they give you enough clue you know what you're looking for or a person or you look where is it where where do you find whatever anyway he would write all the stuff and it was fantastic. It would drive us crazy because we didn't really know what it was either who worked there. And, uh, but it was only mail. And the studio, and the studio was a fairly good-sized studio. At one time, I'm not kidding you, was half full of mail. I mean, it was, Chad took, took the, the city by storm, took the city by storm. And, uh, you know, and I wound up doing the sports there. And, uh, I mean, and we had a great great professional announcers, pro announcers, really good announcers. And anyway, it was just a terrific time, a great time. But anyway, I came back after doing the uh, Oilers games and uh, not Oilers, Flyers games. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and the Oil Kings, I did some Oil Kings as well and Memorial Cup from Maple Leaf Gardens. I did Memorial Cup games. And anyway, all of that, I I came back and I, I said, I'm not, Wes is not going to leave the air. I'm, I'm, you know, they said, come home, Brian. I could have gone to Buffalo, New York to work. And from, cause I was at that time a chum in Toronto and the chum broadcast company had just started. And, and so I was down there for, for three years and I said, I'm going back home. So I came back home and I said, and I'm not putting, cause, uh, cause the management here said, come on home, Brian. And you know, and I said, listen, I'm not taking my, I'd, what, let me go into, I've done everything else. Let me, let me go into sales. I'd like to, I'd like to go into sales and do commercials and stuff like that. Okay. Come on home. So I came home. I was home for several months. And I got a call one day and Walt Rutherford says, you don't talk to your buddies anymore. What's wrong with that? What am I, uh, you know, and I said, geez, I'm sorry. You know how bad I am at that kind of stuff. Well, come on over and have coffee. So I went over to CJCA. This is 1965. And I said, uh, I, uh, I went over and had coffee with him. We chatted. And he said, oh, before you go, he said, uh, Dalt would like to see you. And Dalt was Dalt Elton, who was the program manager and everything else. And I went in and I said, and he says, hey, and Dalt was a great kidder. And he, and, and he was a, th- a theater guy. And he loved musicals and stuff like that. And Harry Boone was their musical director at the station. And Harry was a great piano player. He had the Harry Boone trio that played around town and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So very talented group of people. And, and I'm sitting in, in, in uh, 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 Dalt Elton's office and we're chatting about stuff. And he said, oh, by the way, he said, uh, do you think you could do football? <laughs> and I looked at him and I, I didn't say anything. He said, do you think you can do five? I said, why are you asking me a stupid question like that? I said, you know, I can do anything. I'm, I'm a brash, mouthy guy. I'm, you know, I was loud, brash, mouthy, everything else. I said, of course I can do football. And he said, well, we need to have a guy because we've been splitting with uh, bringing Joe Carberry up from Calgary and stuff like that. And the football team, uh, they, they need to have their own announcer. So I said, of course. But I said, uh, you know, and he said, well, do you, you got other things. You'll be the sports director, but you got other shows, Sunday morning topic of sport, and you got other stuff and all. I said, yeah, but I said, I got to continue my sales. And they said, okay. So that's how I got to do the football, 1965. And it was right after. It was the darkest time in the history of the Edmonton football team, the green and gold. It was the darkest time. 1963, two years before they had the purge and they fired the coach Eagle keys and they, and they, and, and Jackie Parker was traded to Toronto. And I mean, I mean, there were all, I mean, it was just, and, 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 and wives got involved in it. And it, it, it was just, it was just a, anyway, they took 24 board of directors and called them. They took it down to nine and we called them the nervous, nervous nine. And as, as yeah, do you remember that? Oh Brent? yeah, yeah, I remember. Nervous nine, yeah, yeah, and and so they were down to nine, and uh, and then Norm Kimball became the general manager, and then things really changed and changed for the better, and then they finally, you know, after getting all those players from BC, about eight of them, including Wilkie, a quarterback, and Larry Highbot, a few others. Anyway, they they got a terrific group from the BC Lions, and uh, they wound up 
with Ray Yock as coach succeeding because the coach <laughs> during all those terrible times was uh, a former, you know, uh, Neil Armstrong, mm-hmm. former receiver with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He was a famous receiver with Winnipeg Blue Bombers earlier, Neil Armstrong. The other end was a guy by the name of Bud Grant. And uh, they were outstanding. Anyway, Neil came here as the coach in 64 and had all these Oh, God, it was terrible. We went through in 1965, I remember, seriously, we went through 21 quarterbacks during the time that they were searching to get stuff done and rebuilding and all of that. And Kimball finally got, he he took to the board of directors and said, you're either going to do it or forget it. Hmm. And he said, you've got to start spending some money. I'm going down to the States and he's getting some guys. And he went down there, and he got Bruce Limmerman, yep. a quarterback, who had played at Atlanta in the NFL. And he got some other guys. And he started to build in the defense. And then Cutler arrived after graduating from college. He couldn't go to the NFL as a kicker because he tied up the toe of his kicking shoe. And that was a no-no in the NFL. If you did that, you couldn't kick. And he couldn't mm-hmm. do it without tying up the shoe. So he came to the uh, Edmonton football team, the green and gold. And uh, Cutler arrived. The defense started building. Then Armstrong was fired after 69. Ray Yock came in, and he was coach of the year, for God's sakes. They turned things around beautifully and all of that. Wilkie a quarterback. The rest of the story we know. Went to the Grey Cup in 73. Hadn't been there since 1960. Wow. I had to watch Fantastic. all of this in the knothole gang as a kid, and I'm it was painful. It was painful. I'm talking too much, guys. Oh, no. That's, right. that's, the, that's why you're – that's why we wanted you on the show. Uh, what year was your last broadcast of, for the, the football? Oh, I can't remember. But I know I one thing. 20, yeah. I think uh, 20, 2010. 20, okay. Yeah. Cause it was over 40 years. You did the broadcasts. It 45, was 40, 45, 45 years. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. In, incredible. I mean, and o- no, and over, over 60 gray cups. Over 60 Grey Cups. Absolutely yeah. incredible as far as broadcasting goes. Uh, I wanted you to share a story that you shared with me uh, a month or two ago, Brian, about buying your first home. And um, <laughs> because just like anything else, uh, you, you uh, don't take long to make decisions. I know that about you. You're a decision maker, if nothing else. And, and you bought your first home. Well, you tell the story. Wait, what year was that when you guys bought your first home, you and your, your wife? It was uh, 1960, 1961, I think. And, and you guys. 1961, yeah. Kind of on the outskirts, so to speak, of Edmonton had, at the time? Well, it was in a new area called uh, Capilano. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and uh, I had at that time. Uh, I had at that time three children. Right. And I was a young guy because, let's see, 34, 44, 54, 64. I wasn't yet 30 years of age. Okay, I was like, uh, I don't know, 28 or something. Whatever it is. But I'm not 30 years of age. I got three kids. And I'm uh, doing the, I'm, I, I, I go to the racetrack. I later became the announcer. I did the races at the track there, the track announcing for 10 years, the decade of the seventies, 1970 through to 1980, I did the races at Northlands at the track called a lot of races. Holy cow. Thousands, tens, I think nine or 10,000. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Back, back. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I told you a brash young guy and I, but I knew everybody at the bank yeah. because they were big football fans. Yeah. <laughs> And the, and the bank manager of the Toronto Dominion main branch downtown was a really good guy. And uh, I said, his name, I think, was Dave Mitchell. And I said, hey, Mitch, how? I used to go in, hey, Mitch, how are you? Hello, Brian. <laughs> and then I, the tellers would be there, uh, and they'd, uh, they'd wave, hey, hi, Brian. I'd say, hey, how you doing? I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm, I told you I'm a loud, shoot my mouth off kind of guy. And... Uh, I, I, uh, my wife said to me, I it called me at the racetrack and said, you know, we have to, we have to have a house. We can't, we can't stay in, in our walk up apartment now with the three kitties and everything. And I said, yeah, well, good. Go find one. See what you can find. <laughs> that was it. That was it. <laughs> and so 
So a few days later, she called me. She said, I found the house. And I said, well, where's that? She said, over in Capilano. I said, wow. She said, it's really nice because it's a show home. It's got the grass in. It's got the sidewalks in. And it's a nice big backyard. It's a big lot. And it's got a fence around it. It's really nice. No, I said, any garage? She said, don't garage. I said, oh, got to put up with those tough winters still. Hey, okay. And anyway, I said, uh, yeah, okay. Well, what do you think? She said, well, I think we should get it. I said, yeah, well, well good. Then we'll get it. Tell them we'll get it. And I, I didn't know anything about the money or anything else like that. I said to her, how much was it? She said, $15,800 was the price of the house. So yeah. it was 1,100 square foot bungalow. Sure. Yeah, I mean, you know the kind of home. Nice home. Really yeah. a nice home. You know, 1,100 square feet was a pretty big home in those days. There weren't a ton of big homes being built, right? Mm-hmm. You know that. So uh, I said, oh, well, I said that. I said, yeah. I said, so, well, God, they're going to want 1,500 down, I guess, you know, and whatever. Anyway, so I go into the bank. I walk in and I said, hey, Mitch, how you doing? He said, good. And I said, can I talk to you? He said, yeah. So I go in there and I sit down and I said to him, uh, you know, and I told him the story about the house. He said, oh, yeah, you got to have a house, Brian. There's no question with the kiddies and everything. You got to have a house. I said, okay. Uh, I said, well, you know, it's not much money. I said, I, 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 1500 for the down payment. He said, you don't need 1500 I said, well, how much do I need? He said, about 6000 I said, what are you talking about? And then, don't forget, this is now in the early 60s. You know how much $6,000 is That's in the early lot. 60s? And yeah. what the dollar, what the dollar would buy then compared to now, you know? Yeah. And, 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 uh, and I said, wow, I said, six grand. He said, well, listen, you got to have a washer, a dryer, a fridge, a stove. You got to have, I know you, he says, you got to have that, you know, the new television that's got with the, on either end, it's a big long piece along the wall and it's got the record player in it and you got the TV in the middle and you've got the hi-fi. Because hi-fi it wasn't stereo then; it was called hi-fi. Because the hi-fi, you got to have all that, and you got to have probably going to have. You got to buy drapes. You got to. You're going to need six thousand dollars. I said, "Oh, geez, Mitch." He said, "Don't worry. <laughs> we, you know, we love you. We know where you are. We know you're good. We know your character. You're that's fine. Don't worry. Six grand, sure. Don't worry." I said, "Well, gee, that's that's fantastic." I oh, I said, "My wife will be so excited." And, uh, and I, I got up, and as I'm going out, he said, O'Brien. I said, yeah. Yeah, Mitch. He said, one other thing I want to talk to you about. I said, oh. He said, we might as well while we're here. I said, what's that? He said, about your overdraft. I said, the overdraft? He said, well, yeah, because, you know, you go out and you, you spend money freely, and you write checks here, there, and everywhere, and, you know, you don't have all the funds in the account to cover it. So, But we cover you because we know you, and it's okay. I said, well, how much is the overdraft? He said, 4000 I said, what? Four thousand? That, that's how much. Anyway, it didn't matter. I, it didn't matter. And you know what? You know what my payment was every month for that house? Beautiful, oh. lovely house. 15800 A show home, bungalow, three bedroom, the whole, oh boy. How much? Everything. Wow. My IPT, yeah. interest. Principal interest, and taxes. Yeah. principal and the taxes my monthly payment was $98 <laughs> at that time I'm making like 10 or 12,000 a year so I'm yeah. making at least a grand a month what's 98 bucks to me what do I yeah. care right sure. yeah oh fantastic so, <laughs> right so anyway that's the way it was that and, was my and- first home and then I never got to live in it for the first year and a half though for more than that because i i just bought the home and then i never got to live in it for three years because i went to toronto i rented the house out to some people for three years so i owned this house that i bought (laughs) good old dave mitchell good old mitch the whole thing and i got this house i've never been in it and i don't get in it till after i come back in 1964. oh amazing absolutely amazing and you still own that house to this day do you not oh yeah 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 well my one, well, one of my sons is there. He own, they, they, they own it. Yeah. Well, they bought it from Yeah, isn't that incredible? Yeah. It's still in the family, right right from, from when it was a show home. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, those houses in that neighborhood now obviously sell between four hundred and fifty and 
Yeah, well, it's a big lot too. It's it's uh, fifty by one seventy five. It's a pie shaped oh, lot. Huge, absolutely. And it's got a it's got a twenty four by twenty four garage on it. Oh. oh yes, oh yeah. So it's absolutely think, wonderful. Yeah. Oh, are you kidding? Absolutely, you're absolutely right. Absolutely. As we wrap up this podcast, I wanted to pass, uh, pass a special message on for my wife, who you met some twenty one years ago. Uh, Brian, at, at a football game. Oh, when you were operating. When I was on the board yeah. uh, at the back of the booth in at, at Commonwealth Stadium, and you were doing your, your broadcast, and she snuck in after the game uh, was wrapping up and, and was, was sitting quietly beside me as, as I was, uh, you know, running the board for you there. And you were sort of startled when you got up and turned around and saw that there was uh, suddenly there was a, a young woman in our broadcast booth, which didn't happen very often. And and you were so polite and 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 excited and 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 your normal self. You were taking off your headphones. You were getting ready to run down to the dress room to do the the post game report from down there. And this is what Sabrina always remembers and tells our friends every time that your name comes up is that you you said oh. Nice to meet you. I'm Brian Hall. And she said her name was Sabrina. And you said, nice to meet you, Sabrina. I'd love to chat, but I, I can't. I have to get down to the, you're apologizing to her for because <laughs> you had to get down. Yeah, you had to get down to the, to the dress room <laughs> to, to, to interview the players after the game. And then we were wrapping up and, and finished after the broadcast was off the air. And we were wrapping up our cables and putting away the microphones. And you came back up to the booth to grab your coat and, and your briefcase. And you remembered her name. And she's never forgotten that. You said, oh, what a pleasure it was to meet you, Sabrina. And she thought that was the greatest thing, that how did he remember my name in all that chaos as you were wrapping up to run down to the dress room? And, and so your, your memory, as we've just heard from, from the past few minutes of stories, that you have this incredible memory that I'm very jealous of, that you remember names, years, dates, um, stories about all these people in your life. And, and you're truly a class act as far as Edmontonians go. Thank you very much for that. Thank you for those kind words. It's, uh, you know, gosh, but... I, I, I kind of get, I, I've got a warm feeling again. You know what I mean? Like I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling so different. I'm feeling so like alive and, and warm and everything. Just recounting some of these stories. Cause I, you know, you don't think about the past very often. I, and, I don't. Yeah. And I don't remember, I don't know too many people with your type of energy. Seriously. I, 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 I agree any, with that. You, you haven't, you haven't changed in 30 years. You're still the exact same person and, and, and such an, an amazing, uh, likable individual. And, and I can, I can countless stories of, of you on the air. And, and I, I, I remember one morning I was operating the board for you on a Sunday morning when, when you're, the topic is sport on 930 CJCA. And you said something so ludicrous on, on, on the, the radio that, that I was, my eyes were wide and I was a young person. I didn't know that this was entertainment. And, and so as soon as we went to commercial break, I, I was on your, on the little internal microphone into your ear. I can't believe you just said that. What you, you can't serious. You can't be serious. You can't believe what you just said. And you had this, this smile and a wink to me saying, uh, of course not, but look at the phones and the phones had lit up and everybody was calling in to, to, to get angry yeah. at you that how dare you say that. And, 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 and then I realized that not everything everybody says on the radio is necessarily their true opinion. And, oh, and so, they used to get mad at me oh, big it, time. You know, the points after show, after the football games and right. other shows that I'd be on. Oh, yeah, they used to. And, you know, I, I had so much fun. And people still talk about it even today, about the time that I spent, too, with Freddie Fleming, who was oh, my sidekick on the football right. broadcast for so many years and left because he was a very good, very good friend, never mind being an employee of uh, – of, uh, of uh, uh, the Bolin family. And, and of course, you know, I mean, Pat, who has just passed on in the past year and a half or so, uh, you know, he became the owner of the Denver Broncos and the family moved there and, and uh, they took Freddie there and he's been there over 25 years, but Freddie, when he was here and he played in the CFL and then worked for, for worked for, uh, for Fleetway trucking, which was part of the Bolin operation, and he was the manager there, but he became my sidekick in the broadcast booth. But we also used to have a show called Daily. We called it Point Counterpoint, right. and, oh, yeah. and and we would and we would go at it for about three and a half, four minutes, and we would get heated. And it was recorded. And he, at times, I tell you honestly, would get so mad at me. Mm -hmm. I, 
felt so bad that he would storm out in the middle of the recording and stand you and he gave me a couple of expletives and said, I'm never coming back. And then 10 <laughs> minutes later, he'd come back and would redo it, finish up the show. But I mean, people still talk about that. People love that kind of stuff. You know that, don't you? It's entertainment. Oh, yeah. and, and a lot of it does not go on in broadcasting today. And it's a shame that it does not. I, you know, I, I understand the world changes and people, you know, anyway, I understand all that. And I certainly am not condemning it in any way, shape or form. But the times that we were talking about and that you've asked me about here were just magical times. They were so much fun and people were so together and so, and, and, and became very good friends over long periods of time. There was never anything that was, and, and there really wasn't anything really not like today, as I say, anyway, you, you get, it was a great time. It was just, a wonderful time. It was I lovely. Not, yeah. Oh boy. Huge yeah. part of my life. Huge, just, huge, huge. Just different. Well, well, I, I miss again, it. I miss it. I wish we had it again. Of course. Yeah. I think we all do. And, and the world changes and, and not always for the better, but um, thank yeah. you so much for not only being on the podcast today, but obviously uh, being a huge part of my life and, and shaping me um, to the man that I am today. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you, Brent. And, and, and Bryn, I'm, I'm really glad to, to see and hear that you're back on the healthy side again. You've been through hell and back. And I know that uh, because I saw you before you had these operations and so on. And we talked and well, you know, and I'm just, I'm just so happy for you and all your loved ones that, you're now enjoying life as you should be. Thanks, Elsie. I appreciate it. Hey, uh, this has been great. We got hey, we got to get out of here. Brent, thank you. you. Uh, Halsey, yes. thank you. And uh, Brent, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, how do they reach you? Sure, they can always reach us directly at 780-464-0075 or find us on the internet and just by searching for Macintosh Group. And that is it. Halsey, say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. And don't forget, cheer for the good guys. 